good to see everybody here this morning. Good to see regular faces and faces we haven't seen in a little while and faces we haven't seen in a good while. It's nice to see and faces to see walk in and, and doing good. So what a, what a blessed day we have today uh, to be with each other and to know that one day we will all be with Christ that'll be a blessed day truly indeed so let's go ahead and pray and then we will we'll dig in um, I don't think there's anything baptisms I don't know if anybody is interested in being baptized if you haven't been baptized yet that would be a good idea and uh, if you're interested please see Martin or Dick or I we are in the process of setting this all up to have a baptism uh, here soon Lord willing. So other than that, let's go ahead and pray and then we'll we'll dig in. Father, we just thank you that we all could be here today, Lord. Those that you have brought to Faith Bible Church here today, Lord, to hear your word. Father, I echo the prayers of my brother Dick. We thank you for the healing that you were doing. Father, we thank you for successful surgeries on bones that were broken. We thank you, Father, for backs that are being healed. We thank you, Father, for souls that are being redeemed. Father, we praise you for strength that has been given, Father, in times of weakness. Father, we just thank you for your hand in all of these things. We pray for uh, you to continue healing, Father, to continue to just bless us and strengthen us. Father, through our sufferings that we would see Christ more clearly. And Father, as we sang earlier today, come and behold him. May we see that today, Father. May we sit here today as your blood-bought people. And may we come and behold you. Not that we come here to be served, but that we come here to worship you the holy God. So, Father, through your word now, through your spirit's leading, may we come and behold you. May we come and behold Christ and everything that he is, that we would see what a majestic and excellent Savior we have. Father, we do ask this all to your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to look at the topic is the superiority of Christ. We're taking a break from the doctrines of grace, which we've been going through. And um, I always like to do, when we have communion, to do a communion service that centers around the very thing that we come to worship is Jesus and what he has done for us. Now, I don't know, some of you might be like I am, where... I have some weeks that are really good weeks and I, I read and I pray and everything is good. And then I have bad weeks where I probably don't read and I lack in my praying and in my devotional time. Although I do study, don't get me wrong, I do do that. I just don't go online and have AI print this out and then I read it to you guys. So <laughs> I do study. But we can have ups and downs in our walk, right? We can be roller coastered in our walk, and we can be down on ourselves because of that roller coaster. Oh, I didn't 
read enough today or I didn't pray enough today. But we have such a great Savior that He has done everything perfect for us. And we are in Him. And that's what we come to celebrate today. So what I want us to look at is the superiority of Christ. Sometimes we can forget about Christ in our, in our weekly walks, right? And we come to church and we're reminded of who Jesus is. Or we can take Jesus for granted. You know, we hear this, oh, God is love. Oh, yeah, we hear that. We hear about the cross so much. We hear about the gospel so much. We, we come to communion and we, we celebrate the body given to us and the blood spilled for us. And it can be commonplace. And that's a shame on us. If it is commonplace for you or for me, shame on me, shame on you. Because what we do today should never be commonplace. When we gather to worship every Sunday to hear the preaching of God's word, to read the scriptures, it's not story time. It's worship time. And it should never be commonplace. We should come and behold the holy God. To eat from the bread of life and to be full. So how do we do this? We see how Christ is so much superior than anything. He's so much more glorious than anything. He sits in majesty, enthroned on high. And he is our savior. He is our brother. He is our friend. And he calls us to himself. So a few things I want to look at before we come to the table. Christ superior in his character. He is superior in his character. We always look at character, right? We always want to know somebody's character, what they're like. Oh, they got a good sense of humor, or they're very kind, they're, they're really nice, and everything like that. But we fall apart in our character, right? Because we're not always kind, and we're not always good. But Christ is superior in his character. He is always good. He is always kind. And when we read the scriptures and we behold him in the scriptures, we see that he is love. He is grace. Everything flows from him. And this is why he is no common person. He is no, he is superior in his character. Think about love. He is superior in his love for us. We do nothing to merit his love. We do nothing to earn his love. But yet, he is love, and he loves us. Listen to John chapter 13. He says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. What a beautiful verse, right? We are to love each other. How are we to love each other? As Christ loved us. How does Christ love us? sacrificially right he lays down his life we saw this last week for his sheep husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her we're to be a sacrificial people that's what we're to do that's how we love one another and when we love another one another like this all people will know that we are his disciples by how we love. Listen to 1 John 4, 8 again. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
we see in Christ's character where he is superior is he is love. But we can't make him a pie chart, can we? Because he is 100% love. Therefore, he is 100% wrath. He has to be. He has to be. If he's 100% love, then he's got to be 100% wrath. We can't make him a pie chart. Well, he's this much love and this much wrath. No, he's 100%. That's why he is so superior and he is so excellent. 1 John four sixteen says this. So if we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. You want to know if you're saved? How do you love others? You want to know if God is abiding in you, or if you're abiding in him, if you're holding on to him, if you're remaining in him? How do you love others? Not only people in your own family, not only people at the church here, but others. How do you love people at work that you don't like? How do you love the neighbor that you don't like? I just don't talk to mine. I'm being honest, I don't. <laughs> you know? But how do we love each other? Goes to show if God truly abides in us. So we see that Jesus in his character is superior in his love. He is superior and he's merciful and gracious. Exodus 34 says this, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, this is when Moses asked to see God's glory, right? And he says, I'll show you my glory, but he puts him in this cleft, right? And so God's going to pass by Moses, and this is what happens. The Lord passed by, passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generations. But did you see who he is? He said he is merciful and he is gracious. Again, in Psalms 86.15, he says this, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Is this how you view God? Do you view God this way? When you hit your knees and you pray, or when you think of the cross, this should be in our minds. Our minds should sit there and say, Oh Lord, merciful and gracious, you are slow to anger, and you abound in steadfast love. It puts him in his proper spot. It puts him on his throne. It puts him in glory. Because we are not this oftentimes. We are not merciful and gracious. We are not slow to anger. We do not abound in steadfast love. We are finite. He is infinite. And we can put that in there. We don't have to put superiority. We can put infinite. He's infinitely merciful and gracious. Never runs out of mercy. Never runs out of grace for us. Never does. Luke eight uh, six thirty six. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. That's what we are to do. We see where God had mercy on us. We're going to do it today as we look at the cross. We see the pinnacle of His mercy. 
in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's the pinnacle. It's the highlight of his mercy and his grace and his love and his wrath and his justice is the cross. It's the pinnacle of it, the pinnacle of his holiness. We are to be merciful because he is merciful. Hebrews 2.17 puts it this way, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. This is Jesus, had to be made like us, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He had to experience what we experience. He had to be like us. But it says, so that he may become a merciful and faithful high priest. Brothers and sisters, we can be merciful just as he is merciful. We just have to have our eyes focused on the gospel to see that mercy. When our eyes get off of the gospel, well, then they get onto us. And we lose it. We lose that mercy. We, move, we lose that grace. Right? We must be merciful and gracious to people. Jesus wasn't only loving and merciful and gracious, but he was compassionate. He was compassionate. Think of James 5.11. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. He's going to go back to Job now. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord. If you've read Job, you've seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Do we read Job that way? We read Job and we see this man who is suffering and his buddies that come alongside and tell him that, hey man, you had to sin somewhere. God wouldn't be doing to this unless you've sinned. But James tells us that when we look at Job and we read Job, what do we find in Job? We see that God is compassionate and he is merciful. I think of Job in the first chapter and Satan comes to him. Have you ever really read it and you look at it and God says, have you considered, can anybody tell me? My servant. Wow. What affection God had for Job. What love God had for Job. Have you considered my servant? Job was not going to fail in this trial. You want to know why? Because God was the one who was holding him together. Right? We persevere in the faith. Why? Because God is the one who's doing the persevering work. He was the one doing the persevering work in Job. Right? We see the compassion and, God, and mercifulness of God in the book of Job. Christ in his character is superior in his forgiveness. In, an, in his forgiveness, he forgives completely and fully. It's what he does. Past, present, future, all of our sins wiped away, completely removed. As far as the east is from the west, our sins are removed from us. He is a forgiving Savior. Numbers 14, 18, The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. This is what He does. He forgives iniquity and transgression. Psalms 86, 5, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Ephesians 4, 32, Paul writes, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So how are we to forgive one another completely, fully, 
Do we forget? If we remember, does that mean that we haven't forgiven? No. Because we're going to remember, right? We're going to remember wrongs done to us. We're going to remember hurtful things done to us. But I want to encourage you today, brothers and sisters, it doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. God is the only one that forgets. God is the only one that removes as far as the east is from the west. Right? We read Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is David's repentance of what happened with Bathsheba somewhat a year later. We don't forget, but we learn from our sin, right? We learn from our hurts. We learn from those things, but we are to forgive. That means we don't bring it up. The hurt that is done, we don't bring it back up. We learn from it. We grow from it. We look at that hurt and we see, okay, God, how are you working in my life? But we are to forgive one another the same way. We're to not hold anything against each other. And we see that all the time, right? People get burned. They get hurt. I'm out of here. You know? I'm, I, I'm one. Man, I tried to work through it for six months. I, and I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. But obviously God wanted me and Jenny here. You know, which has been a, a, a real blessing for us. But we need to forgive. We need to forgive just as he forgave us. Colossians 3.13 says the same thing. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Think about how grievous your sin was against Christ. How infinite your sin was against Christ. And if Christ can forgive your infinite sin against him, we should be able to forgive a complaint of somebody else. Think about how much Christ has forgiven you. And you will be a forgiving person. And you will be Christ-like. But you have to look at the character of Christ to see this. And how much more superior and excellent he is. Christ is superior in his character. He's superior in his work. Think of his creation. When he created the heavens and the earth, at the very end, he said, when he looked over all of his creation, he said, and this is very good. It was perfect. Everything was perfect. His creation was perfect. Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Christ is the one doing the creating work. When we look at the mountains, when we look at Tahoe, and we're blown away by Tahoe, wow, that's what Christ did. We stand at the Grand Canyon, and we're like, oh, Wow. That's the finger of God. When we look at a beautiful sunset and we're captivated by it, that's the breaststroke of the infinite painter. It should cause us to worship. It should bring us to a sense of awe and wonder. Jenny and I last night were outside with the dogs and we're just in awe of the moon. It was bright last night, but we were in awe of the moon. But that should have took us to be awe in the one who put the moon so we could see it and placed the moon so we could see it. He is superior. He is excellent in his creation. Excellent. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. 
Yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom all things are, from whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. The reason we breathe is because he says we can. You woke up this morning because he said, not yet. You got another day. Our heart still beats because he says, beat. Our lungs still go up and down because he says, go up and down. Blood throws through our veins because he says, go through your veins. We are here because of him. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we exist for his glory. We are to come and behold him. Hebrews 1, 2. But in these last days he has spoken to us in his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. So we see Christ's superiority in his creation. We also see his superiority in his miracles. Think when we read through the gospels, his miracles, the virgin birth. It's pretty amazing. I've never seen one. So it's pretty amazing. His virgin birth, amazing. How about when he heals the leper, right? We, we, we got to look at his mercifulness, and even in the healing of the leper, right? How does he heal the leper? He touches the leper. We got to remember in those days, you didn't touch a leper. But Jesus says, I am willing, and he touches the leper, and the leper is healed. He is compassionate. He is merciful. He casts out demons. He raises the dead. He walks on the water. The disciples are freaking out because of a storm. He stands up and he says, be still. And the wind stops and the sea listens. What about you and I, brothers and sisters? What about when he tells you to be still and know that I am God? Do you stop? and let the miracle take place in your own life when we're still and we behold him? He, he, he heals the paralytics and he causes the blind to see. He is superior in his rule, in his sovereignty. Acts 4.24 says this, And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. 1 Timothy 6.15, which he will display at the proper time, he is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. There is nobody above him. All other authority is below him. And finally, Jesus is superior in his sacrifice. He is superior in his sacrifice. Hebrews 10.4 says this, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. When we look at the Old Testament and we read of the sacrifices that they had, they prefigured Jesus' sacrifice. They only pointed to the greater sacrifice. That's what they did. When we read, it points to Jesus. All the ceremonial stuff, 
all the sacrificial stuff, all the festivals, they point to Jesus. They find their end in Jesus. That is why he is superior in his sacrifice. Hebrews 9.11 puts it this way, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy place. Listen, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood. Jesus enters into the holy of holies. Not like the high priest did in the Old Testament. With bells on and a rope attached to him with blood to scatter on a thing. No, Jesus enters in with his own blood, superior to anything of the Old Testament. And what does he do when he enters in? Look at the rest of the verse. Thus securing an eternal redemption. And that eternal redemption is for you and I. But the writer keeps writing. He says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? His sacrifice, when we read in Hebrews, says this once for all it is done it is finished it is superior because he is superior we come and we behold Jesus so as we come to the table now as we come to the communion part of this service I want us to remember that he is superior in his sacrifice. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 53. It won't be up on the board. So you have to look, or on your phone, whatever you got. I want you and I to behold him in such a way that is so precious and so gracious and so merciful that everything we see so far in the, the person and work of Jesus is all encompassed in Isaiah 53. Of all of his attributes, we see how majestic he is. Start with verse 4. I'm gonna go, I'm, here's what I'm going to read. I'm going to read 4, 5, 7, 10, and 11. And I'm not going to stop because they all flow together. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before his shearers is silent so he opened not his mouth yet it was the will of Yahweh to crush him he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. He will, the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. But his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many be accounted righteous. That's you and I. And he shall bear their iniquities. 
this is why we come today to the table, brothers and sisters, pure and simple. We come because Jesus bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. We come because Jesus was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. We come because it pleased the Father to crush his Son and not you and I. And we come to the table because Jesus has accounted many righteous in this death. Come and behold your Savior on the cross, brothers and sisters. This is what we come to celebrate today. Is Him lifted high. So take a few minutes. Take a few minutes, brothers and sisters. Make sure your heart is right before God. Make sure you don't have any unrepentant sin in your life. Be sure your, your, uh, your heart is pure before God. But understand this. If you're here and you're not a believer, don't take this. It's not for you. Let it go by. And Paul gives us a warning that we always have to warn each other on. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 11. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Do this now, brothers and sisters. Examine your heart. Examine yourself. Do not examine your wife. Do not examine your grandchildren. Do not examine the person sitting next to you. You examine yourself. Then... And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So as we pass out the elements, would the elders come forward?